Welcome to Canada's podcast. Hello, Julian. Welcome to Canada's podcast. I think it's really exciting to have, you know, a fourth generation entrepreneur. And as I was saying to you earlier, one of the kind of iconic Canadian brands, uh, Henry's. Um, and what the question that I always ask at the beginning is, you know, to tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey, you know, why you started it, because I, I, I've read some of your background and it wasn't like diving in and, uh, and staying at the beginning. Why, you know, why you started it, you know, what differences you encountered by, you know, being that fourth generation, uh, you know, where it is today and where the future might be, because, you know, never mind the technology in, in, in your business, but, you know, the, the overall technology you know, that you've lived through some of the most significant changes uh, in retail that have ever happened. Not some, the most significant changes in retail that have ever happened, I would say. So, I, so anyway, that, that was a big ask, okay? So but, <laughs> but over, over to you. <laughs> right, I'll do it in a nutshell. Um, so I am very proud to be the CEO of Henry's, uh, Canada's greatest camera store. Um, for those of you who don't know, we're the largest independent digital imaging retailer in the country. I've been running the business for the last seven years, uh, working in it full time for the last 13. But as you, you know, it's a family business. So I'm actually, um, it's in my blood. I was, you know, I'm a family member and I'm the fourth generation, which is, which is very hard to believe quite often and, and mm -hmm. doesn't happen very much in North America, to be honest, um, to have such, such long running businesses. Um, as you, you know, hinted at, my career path is not exactly the career path when you looked at it that you would expect when you think of somebody running a family business. Um, I, you know, saw the toll that the business took on my father as I was growing up. And as he was running the business, he actually had a heart attack in his late 40s. And it was absolutely not how I envisioned my life. Um, so I went out my passion was in community and diversity and corporate social responsibility. And so I actually had a, you know, a very different life before Henry's, uh, where I, you know, focused on that. Um, and it was after I'd had my own experience uh, working in a very different field. I was, there was a lot of diplomatic work, a lot of uh, NGO work, mm -hmm. and um, somehow in my I was able to find the connection between the two and found that there really was a place for me in the business. Um, and so when I came back, I um, was able to lead a number of strategic initiatives, breaking down silos uh, between, between different departments. And a lot of that experience that I'd had previously, sort of in that diplomatic space actually helped me to uh, navigate, build relationships throughout the business and after I'd had that experience, then eventually um, uh, took over as, as CEO. But absolutely none of this was a straight path. Um, never how I saw myself, but I, I, I quite love it. Quite love it. Well, you know, 
What's, I mean, I, I'm looking at behind you, because you're, you're, you're saying putting mental health into focus, so that's one thing we can talk about. Mm -hmm. But before we, I mean, maybe that is the biggest challenge. You know, what's the greatest challenge you faced in, in your, your business today? And when I say you, I'm probably saying you and the family, uh, uh, you predominantly, but maybe there's something from the family side of it as well. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so I am um, the first, um, sadly, the first CEO in Canada to speak publicly about um, uh, being diagnosed with a mental illness. Yeah. Uh, and I say, sadly, I'm glad that I've spoken publicly about it, but statistically speaking, it's impossible that there are as many CEOs as there are in Canada and that I'm the first one to actually speak about it. Um, mm. So, I mean, yeah. So it is something that um, has deeply impacted my life. Uh, it is something that has deeply impacted my family. So my family is also quite, um, we've all spoken more openly about it. Um, it's a, a genetic you know, genetics that run through our family. Mm -hmm. um, so we all are impacted by mental illness. And while you're, the question was the, the challenges that I face, um, I actually wouldn't necessarily frame that as a challenge that I faced in, in, as my, in my time as a CEO. Mm -hmm. as that. It's something that really impacted me uh, when I was much younger, um, mm -hmm. when I was first diagnosed in my early 20s. Mm -hmm. And but by by the time that I've sort of become CEO, um, learning how to manage it, being, you know, um, I have a strong support network. Um, and so I'm very comfortable with it. And I think in many ways it has actually brought a lot of strength to my leadership um, and how we um, how we make sure that there's a there's the right kind of governance. Uh, in place in the business, the right type of sort of systems for decision making, which I think are also, to be honest, just good business practices, mm -hmm. um, but things that I think others probably take for granted. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say now the biggest challenge really is, is um, I look at our employees um, and people in you know the world at large right now, and we've all been living through sort of in crisis mode for the last two and a half, three years, yeah. right? And um, that's a really hard place to be. So I, right now, it really is thinking about the well-being and the mental health mm -hmm. of, of our employees as we continue to, to push through um, all the challenges that, that we're all facing. Yeah, I mean, without being too inquiring, you know, I, I was, and, you know, retail is, you know, never mind COVID. I mean, it took it, it took a, it's taken a pound, pounding with COVID. It took a you know a, a massive pounding in in the nineties and uh, early two thousands with the arrival of e commerce and if, whatever. You know, um, how do how do you you know? In the re you, there's lots of entrepreneurial retailers, you know. How do you overcome that sort of kind kind of you know the virtual the virtual commerce versus 
the the real commerce, if you like, the physical commerce. The physical. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's about overcoming. I think it's about okay. embracing. Okay. And I mean, we talk about how much retail has changed in the last little bit, and maybe it's that it's changed a lot in a short period of time. But if you sort of if you look back over our history, retail has changed significantly, and it's always changed. Right. We started <laughs> off with right the general store, and then the department store and then big box. We all thought big box was going to be the end of, 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 um, you know, the specialty channel. And then we've got e-com and somehow like we're all, we're still here. And if anything, COVID, while it maybe shifted a lot of people to experiment more online and to incorporate, uh, e-com into their, into their shopping habits post, if you can say post COVID or at least post lockdown world, um, We've seen it, it's it's clear that people truly do like a physical shopping experience. Mm -hmm. The important part is embracing both. And so that that digital experience is a really important part of the customer shopping uh, journey. And so you need to make sure that you're digital, but you also have to be physical. And I think for us, the key is is what's the value proposition? And um the value proposition that we have is the expertise that we have in our stores, the sales associates, um, and the fact that you can come in and you can actually touch and feel a physical product. You can play with it, see how it feels in your hands. And then ultimately, it's being able to have a conversation and get inspired by other people who are, are interested in the same thing that you are. And you, you can't recreate that, at least not yet online. Um, but you need to be there online so that when somebody is looking and doing their research, they're there. And maybe they come into the store and they have the conversation, but then they go buy it online. And that's okay too. It's about understanding how they how they play together. So next thing we see the Henry's metaverse is that that, that, that <laughs> you know where do you see the business in the next five years? You know we've got them We've got Web3 here and the metaverse and, and, and everything else. And, you know, we've got people buying real estate in the metaverse. That did a, did a, uh, <laughs> and funny, I built one of the first virtual malls online in about 20 odd years ago. It was a bit too soon, but it was still the early metaverse. Oh, neat. Yeah. Um, where, where do you see it? What is it? I mean, or, uh. or sit and wait. I mean, <laughs> Nothing wrong with sitting and waiting in the It's a tough, it's a, to be honest today, you know, seeing past the next like six months is, is really where the focus is. <laughs> so I've got, I've got visions of five years from now, but, you know, as we emerge from COVID and then supply chain constraints, um, which are still things that we are feeling, it's hard to think, to think that long-term. Um, the metaverse is definitely something that's interesting and, and curious mm -hmm. to see how that will turn out. Mm -hmm. um, but I do see, uh, I see specialty retail in particular. I think, I think it's different if you're big box, um, mm -hmm. something a little bit more transactional, but I mm -hmm. think specialty retail still has a lot of life in it. Um, and it's about finding different ways to engage with the customer, but we kind of need to see how that plays out. So the sit and wait isn't necessarily, as you said, a bad thing. It's about what does the customer want? And does the customer like shopping in the metaverse? If so, then then we'll explore it. But I'm not sure that they 
that they do yet. You know, you, you, you grew up in a family business. And I mean, I always ask about mentorship. And when you think about family, obviously you think about parents, father, mother, whatever, mm-hmm. being, being the mentors. But I'm interested, you know, is that really the case or did you get your mentors? <laughs> you know, I, I, I think about, about my parents. I wouldn't necessarily, you know, uh, you know, I worked in the family business for a while and then left kind of thing. So and I'm not sure that, that I learned, as, you know, I learned from him more than I learned from a couple of other guys, basically. Um, what, 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 what does it, how does it work in a successful family business like him? Uh, well, thank you for putting it in that category. <laughs> um, You're still here after a hell of a Still here. Time. I'm still here. Yes. That's success. <laughs> um, so I think, I mean, like, obviously, like anybody, parents have a huge influence on who you are, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, what they have absolutely instilled upon both me and um, and my sister who runs our foundation is um, our values, which are really important values for the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a big part of our success. Mm-hmm. So community, relationships, um, and I really can't emphasize the importance of the relationships when it comes to when it comes to the business. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of those things are are things that they have absolutely sort of taught us growing up, but also demonstrated in how they ran the business. Um, so I'll always speak to you know my my father. I've learned a lot from him uh, in terms of how he ran the business, in terms of how he treated people, um, and how he would, you know, make a deal. He loved to make deals, but the way that he, you know, sort of, yeah, the way he did it, right. was very, was very unique and really, um, uh, very endearing. Mm -hmm. And that led to the, you know, the long-term success of the business. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's also things now that the world is very different. And so there's things that, that, um, that we do very differently, Mm -hmm. uh, retail in particular, is very different as we were talking about previously from when my father was running the business to what it is today. It used to be about, you know, putting as much inventory as you possibly could in the store, stacking it as high as possible and people would come in and, and buy it. Yeah. It's just not that straightforward anymore. And so so when it comes to understanding modern business, modern leadership, um I'm like anybody else surrounding myself by lots of other people who can, you know, give me advice. Um, and, um, and I look to lots of other people to, to understand, you know, different ways in which we can run the business today. What do you see as a key piece of advice? And let, let's stay in retail because that's, that's really the, the, the knowledge base that you bring. What advice to you would you give if some, you know, cause we have lots of people that are thinking about going in and being an entrepreneur. If they're thinking about going into the retail space. What advice would you give them, uh, you know, as they're start, starting a business or thinking of starting a business? I mean, I know you weren't there at the start, but you, <laughs> you, 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 you know, I think you have to restart every decade. Absolutely. No. Um, well, I'm not sure it's really that different than, than, than any other 
business and some of the basic principles, right? Surround yourself by people who are smarter than you. Um, it's important that you can let your ego go by the wayside. Um, for me, what's been what's been really helpful is that I came in to the business not claiming to be a retail expert. And so I was able to ask questions and still do to say, you know, why do we do things this way? Because I think retail has a very, um, there's a lot of legacy in retail. Mm -hmm. And this is just the way we've always done it. And so to be able to question that uh, mm -hmm. and have somebody, you know, I consider myself, while I'm not a retail expert, I think I'm smart enough that if somebody can't explain it to me sort of in a few sentences, I can say, something doesn't feel right here. Let's, re let's rethink that. And I think in retail right now, you have to be really open mm -hmm. to that. Um, and then I would go back to the, to the comment I said earlier about relationships. Um, over like time and time again throughout our history, and especially in the last few years throughout COVID and supply, supply chain constraints, being able to draw on those relationships, whether it's with our customers, with our suppliers, with the bank, <laughs> never underestimate those relationships. <laughs> and when you're going to need to, to, to um, you know, draw on those and to invest in them well before you need um, before you need to actually, you know, uh, draw on them. If you had to pick a word to describe yourself, what would it be and why? Um, a polite word? Uh, <laughs> resilient. Resilient. Resilient would be the, would be the word. Um, and I, why I, 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 I've always been somebody that's managed to pick myself back up again and keep going. And again, the last few years, it's uh, to be able to keep going through this we do that you know we all hit challenges is there some kind of process that jillian has you know when you hit that wall shit i, I, I gotta solve it how how, how, how do you uh yeah well so some would call that like stubbornness pig-headedness yeah. <laughs> <laughs> determination perseverance depends on how you want to look at it mm -hmm. i'm somebody that just says there's always got there's got to be a way we're going to figure this out and I, I'm a believer in having a North Star and you have that North Star and you may not know exactly how you're going to get there. So if one way doesn't work, you try another, but you just, you just keep, you keep going because forward is the only option. A bit of fun. Are you a morning or a night person? I ask everyone that. Uh, I'm a mid-morning person. I always feel like morning or night is too extreme. Like I'm not a 5 am -er, <laughs> no. but I don't, but I'm a, but I, but I like to be productive in the morning. Not in the evening. <laughs> no, the, the, not in the evening. Okay. Um, bit, a bit back to the mentor thing. What would you say is the best piece of advice you've ever received that you kind of carry around in your pocket, you know? Um, that being, and I think it's the same, whether it's a CEO, a leader, an entrepreneur, uh, is a marathon and not a sprint. Mm -hmm. you got to pace yourself and take care of yourself. Yeah. And I'm curious, what do you see as the big, I mean, what do you really see as the big opportunity in your particular segment of retail? And I was going to say five years, but I'm not going to, because we don't, we don't know what's happening. <laughs> you know, the next, you know, 24. The next week? 24 to 36 months, at least 24 months. 
Um, for us, what I'm really excited about is the growth of content creation. So this podcast is a perfect example, right? We're doing this um, right with video. We're doing it with audio. Uh, it's being streamed on multiple different platforms. So mm-hmm. content creation, whether it's podcasting, YouTubing, uh, TikTok and Instagram, all of that is is new and exciting. And for us, I think what's really fun is that this is a new, it's a new customer segment that is that is developing, like we're all developing at the same time together. So right. nobody's yeah. serving this this community particularly mm-hmm. well. Um, and we're all trying to figure out how to do that um, as it emerges. Because if, you know, a few years ago, there, you, you, well, you wouldn't have- A few years ago, I mean, I grew up in the media business and here I am doing national broadcast. Right, right. From my, you know, not from there. Exactly. You, you can't see what's behind me. So, um, it's so different, you know, mm-hmm. the last five years, really. Yeah. Uh, six years. We maybe could see it six years ago. Yeah. And anyway, whatever. You know, there is change. What's the most exciting piece of change? Let, let's say in your business that you think, you talked a little bit about it with the content side, but I'm sort of talking more. Well, that's kind of the commerce side of it as well. But I'm talking more on the, the transactional side, the uh, the experience side. Not not in terms of what what you're selling, but in terms of you know the customer experience with with, with you. Um, I think what is great is that the customer now has far more knowledge and is more educated and the customer is in the driver's seat. And so while not everybody loves that, I think it creates a whole new um, opportunity to be able to serve people, to be able to understand what the customer wants. And I think that the businesses that are connected, well connected to their customer and understands them, um, then really have an opportunity to thrive and to succeed. Um, and I think that's somewhere where, um, again, whether it's Henry's or specialty retailer, retail in general has a really uh, great opportunity ahead of them. Mm, good. What's keeping you up at night? Um, my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Not from your kids. Ah. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I think there's still a lot of, it's a lot of uncertainty, right? How are things going to unfold? We're still dealing with supply chain um, and nobody's totally clear on how that's going to unfold or, or ultimately where, what that's going to look like in the end, like in the electronic space, it's, it's, it's still, it's still Mm -hmm. a lot, a big unknown. Mm -hmm. Um, So for us, that's, that's really big. Um, And, you know, the economy, uh, What's going to happen there? How is that going to impact consumer demand? Um, it's uh, there's there's just there's a lot of uncertainty in the world. So trying to, as you said, you know, the question about like what's the business going to look like in five years? It's, there's a lot of big question marks out there. That's, that's that's interesting. Let's move on to the mental health thing. I, I, I don't want to, to 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 you know we we touched on it briefly, but you know. Why did you decide to kind of, you know, step out and say, "Hey, you know, we, we've 
you know, lived with, with with mental health in generations of of, of, of the Stein family kind of thing. Where what what made you decide that? So the the trigger, yeah. the defining moment, um, was I was at a funeral. Um, somebody that I know had died by suicide. Mm-hmm. And I was at the funeral and um, and this was maybe four years ago, five years ago. So mm-hmm. not that long ago. And the nobody at the funeral talked about why this this woman. So a mother, a wife, a daughter, mm-hmm. nobody spoke about how she passed away. And I was just floored that in this day and age, we think we talk about mental health. Nobody would talk about it. Um, and how are you supposed to learn from it? How are you supposed to, how's your family supposed to grieve? How do you move on if you can't talk about it? And, and maybe, you know, and obviously if, if it had been, um, clearly there was some, there was, there was some stigma in this family that they couldn't talk about it and therefore couldn't have helped, um, before this happened. And I just remember sitting there thinking, we are a successful family. Um, in the world of, I guess, from a, yeah. you know, way yeah. you define success, right? As a, a successful business, uh, successful business owners um, with with sort of the like long term credibility behind us, mm-hmm. and thinking about me personally, thinking about our family, just thought if we don't talk about it, then like are we just perpetuating the same the same stigma to continue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, I mean, that I said that was four or five years ago. It took me a lot, a long time to get up the courage yeah. to actually do it because you sort of think, well, why is it that nobody else has done it? Um, but ultimately to me, I just, it, I felt that I have a platform and that I need to use that and to show people that you can be successful. So it doesn't need to hold you back, but you do need to talk about it and you do need to get help and support to be able to do that. Um, and so I thought I really needed to to set that example. So on that front, Julian, that's why I wanted to talk to you. Is to say someone's listened to this and said, "What can I do? Where can they go to help you?" Basically. Um, well, I'd say it's it's a challenge right now. Um, our healthcare system is really not not, not. set up for this. Um, so. I mean, I can plug, there's the the Henry's Foundation, I think is a good place to start. So that's our foundation that we've set up in support of mental health. Um, and it does have a number of resources on the website that can sort of guide you to where you may be, where you may be looking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always say, just talk to somebody, whether it's your family doctor, a friend, someone at work, do you check to see if you have an EAP program at work or, you know, at school, um, talk to somebody. That's the most important thing is to start talking. That's great. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're at my time limit. I'm looking, looking at I could talk all afternoon. <laughs> but um, if someone's ha- heard something, now how can they get a hold of you, Julian? What's the, what's the, what's the sort of the public way to get, a, to get a hold of you? The easiest way is uh, LinkedIn. So Julian with a G. Is- yeah, okay. Thank you very much for coming on the Canvas podcast. It was a lot of fun. Uh, really, really, really been good meeting you. Yeah, thank you for having me, Philip. This was great.